I'm sure you would say you never really saw yourself as different. But as I looked around at your things today, your uniform, old photos, service medals, with respect, I have to disagree. Because to me, you are different. You're someone who already knows that when duty calls, you will answer. You're someone who's faced their greatest fears and not shrunk back. You're someone who's seen what it means that the greatest love is to lay down your life for your friends and even for total strangers. If that doesn't make you stand apart from the rest, I don't know what does. That's why I had to write to you today, of all days. And to all those like you who sacrificed their safety, their own well-being, even their own future, so we wouldn't have to. Even if you've heard these words a thousand times, you deserve to hear them again. From those of us who weren't there, who have not seen what you saw, never been tested the way you were. All we can say is, thank you. Yesterday was Veterans Day, so today we'd like to um, recognize anyone who has been a part of our military. Would you just stand so that we might give you some appreciation this morning? Those who have protected the freedoms so that we can even meet together here this morning. Amen. This morning. So let's all stand as we sing about the great freedom we have in Jesus Christ. Sing with me. Who am I that the highest can Yeah. 
Good morning. Good to see everyone here this morning. Glad you have chosen to worship with us here at Pitts Baptist Church. Uh, if you're visiting with us this morning, uh, we uh, especially thank you that you are here. Come to visit and worship with us. Uh, but if you are visiting, we ask that you take a care card that's uh, on the pew back in front of you. And there's a place for you to put your name and address and things like that. Fill that information out and get that back to us. Uh, we would love to, to have recollection of your visit so that we can uh, get back in touch with you. So thank you for being with us uh, here today. And on the flip side of that care card is a place for anyone to fill out a prayer request, a prayer concern. Uh, we get those as a staff and we, we want to know how we can pray for you. So there's a prayer concern that you might have, put that on there as well. You can turn these in on the, in the giving boxes that are located on the back wall of the foyer of their sanctuary here. But uh, nonetheless, thank you for being here today to worship with us on this Lord's Day. Uh, of course, you can see before me here is uh, the OCC boxes. And uh, this is our collection week. Um, in just a minute, uh, if you haven't already, going to be a time in the service to where we have uh, an in-gathering for those. Um, but if you haven't had an opportunity to get your uh, shoebox bought, uh, do that this week and bring it by the church. We're a collection center here, so you can bring that box um, by here uh, this week. Um, also, uh, I'm sure Shannon uh, has some opportunity for you to work. There's no one volunteered for Wednesday to serve. So if you've got some time on Wednesday and you can come and help serve, uh, collection week, please see her. And then a week from tomorrow, when we load the trailers, is also a big day. So guys, we could use some strong backs on that day uh, to help volunteer. So uh, make sure that you can do that. Friendly neighbors, uh, don't forget uh, our meeting on this Tuesday at 11.30 in the core. Um, be a great time of fellowship, I'm sure. Next Sunday, uh, the 19th, 
uh, uh, in the evenings, a special time for our church family as it's our family Thanksgiving and fellowship service. Uh, it starts at 5 o'clock uh, if you plan on eating the meal. If you're not planning on eating the meal, come at 6 o'clock. But if you are, tickets are on sale now. You can get those through the 15th. Uh, the cost is $10. Uh, and for $10, th listen to all you get. You get pot roast, mashed potatoes, green beans, carrots, corn, and a dessert. You can't get a Happy Meal at McDonald's for that. <laughs> so make sure that you get your tickets for that. Now, if you're 12 and under and want to uh, purchase a 12 and under ticket, uh, you can do that, and that has uh, chicken nuggets and mac and cheese, green beans, and a dessert. Either way, it is going to be a great service. Don't, don't miss this opportunity to fellowship uh, with our whole church family. Um, beginning December the 3rd, that's our next quarter in Sunday school, uh, we're going to embark on a, a series, uh, it's really a discipleship series, uh, entitled Master Life Together. Our whole church is going to be doing it. And uh, you'll be studying it in your community groups, uh, the opportunity for you to buy, purchase a workbook and do the quiet times. And then Pastor Scott's going to be teaching what you've been learning. So it's going to be a great time for our, our whole church to be learning the same thing. Uh, and it's a, an experience that helps both new Christians and experienced believers know the pillars of our faith. Uh, it's not only what our church stands on. Uh, universally, but it's what our church stands on here at Pitts Baptist Church. So it's going to be a great opportunity for learning for all of us as we learn these things together. So if you haven't purchased your work, uh, workbook, you can do that today. Uh, they are uh, in the foyer of the sanctuary there. You can see Kevin Seeger or Garrett Inslee. And then also, you might be here and not be involved in, in a community group. This is a great time to get involved in a community group as we learn these things together. You might be saying, well, I don't know where to go. Well, I'm sure Kevin and Garrett could get you in the, uh, plugged into the right group uh, to learn. So uh, please uh, uh, be mindful of those things. Um, ladies, your Christmas event uh, is coming up on December the 7th at 6th in the Core. Uh, your theme for the evening is In His Provision. Um, the cost is $10, and that includes your meal, and there's going to be a time of praise and worship, and then there's also going to be a virtual teaching element by Christy McClellan. Uh, tickets will be available through December the 3rd. Uh, I'm sure uh, if you have any questions about that, uh, you can see Connie. She'll be able to answer any questions that you might have. Uh, it's typically the biggest ladies' event uh, of the year, so um, please make your preparations to, to come for that. Uh, and then on this coming Tuesday, uh, November the 14th, from 6.30 to 8.30, our Grief Share Ministry will be hosting a Surviving the Holiday Seminar. Um, if you lost a loved one or know someone who has, uh, this would be a great opportunity to get encouragement through the holidays as we discover uh, that there's hope for the future. And because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, we have hope for the future. Amen. All right. Well, let's join our hearts together as we pray together, and uh, then we'll continue with our worship service. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can gather in a place like this to worship you. Lord, we thank you, Father, for uh, the very reason uh, that you have given us to worship, and that's you. Father, your word says in the beginning that you created everything. 
And Lord, we just look into the expanse of your creation and see the beauty and the wonder of it all. But yet the Psalms remind us, yet who is man that you are mindful of him? God, it is so amazing to think of how wonderful and how great and big and mighty you are, but yet you are mindful of us. And you were so mindful of us, Father, that you knew that we would mess up. You knew, Father, that we would sin. You knew that we needed a Savior. So from the beginning of time, you set forth your plan of reconciliation and salvation. And Father, thank you that Jesus Christ fulfilled that as he came and, and he lived a perfect life. And then he went to the cross and bore all of your wrath on him and his crucifixion and his death. But Father, we know the good news doesn't end there because in three days he rose again. And we thank you and praise you for that. And we can worship you uh, uh, because of that. And so Lord, I pray this morning that our worship is indeed in spirit and in truth and that you receive the honor and the glory and the praise that is due your name. So Lord, we pray now that uh, the, the elements of this service, the giving, the singing, the preaching, the hearing, uh, will uh, be encouraging to the believer, but it will magnify and honor the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray in his name. Amen. You know, this week we'll be collecting and sending out these boxes, these simple gifts with the hope of the gospel in them and praying that those uh, gifts and those boxes will touch thousands and thousands of lives. So let's sing some Christmas music this morning. And if you haven't had an opportunity to bring your, your gifts uh, to, the, to the altar, you bring your boxes as we sing. Let's stand together and we'll sing together.
Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for these boxes that have been brought and laid on your altar. And Lord, we pray that as they go throughout the world, that you would bless our efforts and bless those boxes and that your gospel might be spread to everyone. We thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The war still goes on, and uh, we are all tired. Uh, we are all tired going through a difficult time. We are strong in our faith, but without resources, we cannot bring victory to our country. We're here for Operation Christmas Child right now. This year, we've given out the 200 millionth shoe box in 30 years, 200 million boxes. It's hard to fathom 200 million, but it's something God has done. Every box is important. The 200 millionth is not any more important than the person who gave the first box. Every box is important because every box is an opportunity to tell a child about God's love, about his son, Jesus Christ. Now, being able to be on the other side, to be able to pack a shoebox and being able to deliver a shoebox to children in Ukraine, it's just an absolute privilege. This country has suffered incredibly and is and still suffering. These children, this is just a chance to, to put the war behind them for a few minutes, for an hour or so, and it gives them a chance just for a moment. At this time, people's hearts really soften. They are looking for hope. They are looking for future. Something good has to be in this world among all of the atrocities people go through. When the gospel was presented, I prayed that their hearts were opened and the seeds of gospel were planted in those hearts. I know that they felt love today. I know that they felt the hope and love of Jesus. And amidst the war, we know that he is powerful. He is bigger than all of this. And the fact that Operation Christmas Child is able to come into this country and continue to deliver the gospel, is, it's incredible. It just shows you how amazing our God is. Thank you to everybody. Am I on? Thank you to everybody who has participated in this and will yet participate. Uh, we've heard testimonies about how families have been won to the Lord through the gospel presentation that goes into each box. Uh, these boxes are able to go into some countries where missionaries uh, can't go. And yet uh, these boxes are being allowed uh, to be there and inside each box are some gospel lessons and gospel presentation and that has touched uh, many children's lives uh, along with their siblings and their parents so thank you for participating uh, let me ask you to do something this morning I know it's been many many years ago for some of you since your Bible drill days and so I want everybody right now if you would look to the table of contents in your scripture okay so that nobody is embarrassed, everybody turn to your table of contents page. Will you take a moment to do that? 
And what you're looking for today is the book of Lamentations in the Old Testament. And you'll find it between Jeremiah and Ezekiel, okay? Between Jeremiah and Ezekiel. So whatever page number Lamentations is on in your Bible, I think it's 869 in my Bible, but that won't do you any good. So you turn to Lamentations, and we're going to look this morning at Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 to 27. And we're looking today at the subject matter, a profession of hope and gratitude in the midst of sorrow and suffering. A profession of hope and gratitude in the midst of sorrow and suffering. Lamentations 3, 21 to 27. Now, while you continue turning there, let me ask you to be in prayer for Doyle and Linda Malden. Uh, they were camping up in the mountains Friday night, and he had a stro uh, stroke and a brain bleed. And he is in the ICU at Mission Hospital in uh, Asheville. And the reports so far have been uh, encouraging of late. Uh, Linda's sister, who is a nurse, is there with her, as is uh, their son Todd and his wife, uh, uh, Danielle. And so pray for this family. As I say, the reports, uh, he's stable. They've successfully stopped the brain bleed. He does have a clot at the base of his brain. They, of course, can't give blood thinners because that would make his brain bleed again. They plan to keep him there about five days and do some more tests in the process. And hopefully somewhere this week, sometime this week, they're going to be able to uh, transfer him here closer to home. Uh, just pray for uh, Doyle and Linda and their son Todd and the other family members. Uh, would you stand for the reading of God's word, please? Lamentations chapter 3, beginning in verse 22. I want you to notice what Jeremiah writes here. It's a wonderful profession of faith. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Aren't you glad of that? His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Thank you. You may be seated. What we will do today is look at this little book tucked away uh, inside of the pages of the Old Testament. Uh, it's a book that I dare say for most people gets ignored. It's largely ignored. It's a book of only five chapters, just five chapters, that's all. Now, as I made reference to a moment ago, listen to what Jeremiah is saying here. It's believed that Jeremiah is the one who wrote the book of Lamentations. Now, when you look at the book, the suffering they were going through as a nation is absolutely horrendous. And it kind of reminds you of the troubles today in Israel, only worse. Now folks, I don't want to make light of anything people today are going through. But the audience to whom Jeremiah speaks, they were completely undone and destroyed. And you're going to see a little bit later on what I mean by that. 
And the reason I wanted to cover this passage today is largely because of all the mess in the world that the world's going through right now. Here we are coming up on Thanksgiving. And the world scene now, the, the world scene would cause a lot of people to say there doesn't seem to be a lot that would cause Thanksgiving right now. It seems like the way things are going in America, the way things are going in the world, how can Christians really be grateful? Or maybe in your own life, things have not worked out quite like you've expected or like you've envisioned. Maybe you and your spouse have tried and tried and tried to have a child and you can't. And you're thinking, there's not much to be grateful for it seems. Maybe you're a young person who is not married. And you're thinking, why has, why has it not happened for me yet? There doesn't seem to be a lot to be grateful for. Maybe you're going into the holiday season and you've lost a loved one and you're saying it doesn't seem like this year at the holidays there's a lot to be thankful for. Well, I want to say to you this morning that would be wrong thinking. That would be wrong thinking. Because folks, when the world is in a mess and things aren't going in life the way you would have written out your own life, the people of God are still to look to God and trust in Him. Because we know He's a good God, He's a kind and benevolent God, and He is working out His purposes in the world. And He's working out His purposes in your life and in my life. And He doesn't operate in a bubble or a vacuum. He operates in world circumstances. He operates in your circumstances. And he does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when the bottom falls out, we look to his nature and his character and we give thanks for who he is. And that's exactly what Jeremiah is doing here as we'll see in a moment. Now this is a book I need to spend some time setting the table. Uh, and, I, and I do want to mention that a lot of what I'm going to go over can be found in just about any study Bible in the introduction. Much of what I'm going to say this morning in the introduction comes out of the, the uh, uh, introduction in the, in the Zondervan NIV study Bible. So nothing I'm saying here is original. And you can look in your own Bible to kind of see about the, the situation going on. And after the introduction, we're going to zero in on chapter 3. But again, we need to set the context of this book because, you know, there are some books in the Bible, if you don't understand the history behind the book, the circumstances behind the book, you're going to miss the message of the book. The message of the book is just going to go right over your head if you don't really get down in the trenches and see what's happening. And this is one of those books. And so as far as an overview, let me point out to you that there are five poems that make up this book, and they are laments. A lament is a poem of sorrow and grief. We also find laments in the Psalms, the book of Psalms. 
Well, Jeremiah is largely a collection of laments. Now, I want you to remember that King Nebuchadnezzar reigned over Babylon. And he sent troops into Jerusalem in 605 B.C. and 597 B.C. and in 586 B.C. And you'll recall that Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were taken captive in one of those invasions by the Babylonians. And what the Babylonians would often do when they would invade a country, they would capture the brightest among the young people because they would take, instead of killing them, they would take them back to Babylon and they would put them through indoctrination programs and they would try to turn them into Babylonian disciples. That's what Nebuchadnezzar did with Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's what he was trying to do, I should say. During the 586 invasion, there was, there was tons of destruction. The city of Jerusalem was razed to the ground. And the temple was destroyed. You see what's going on in the world now with people turning against Israel, folks. It's nothing new. It's something they have experienced time and time again. Just go home this afternoon and read the book of Esther. But we can even go a step further about Jeremiah's day. Gadaliah was appointed the governor and he was assassinated. And there was another deportation in 581 B.C., uh, leaving the remaining residents in complete disarray. You can read about that in Jeremiah chapters 41 to 43. As you read the book of Lamentations, you will notice that there is a deep sense of grief that permeates the entire book. But there's five key ideas that you and I need to understand. First of all, we see that God is sovereign. The destruction of Jerusalem was not simply because one nation was stronger than another nation. We learn in the scripture that God engineered everything that happened. So God is sovereign. We see another truth, another key theme. Sin shatters the relationship of God and his people. Now, folks, I want to be very careful to, uh, to, to not say that all bad things draw a straight line to sin. That was the idea of Job's friends, and they weren't right. But some bad things do indeed draw a straight line to sin. We know that the exile, the 70-year exile in Babylon was because of the sin of God's people. How do we know that? We're told that in the Bible. A third key truth. Cherished institutions are not exempt from God's judgment. A fourth truth. Uh, truth suffering is real. The problems in the book of Lamentations were very real. There were things like starvation going on. People's children were starving to death. Suffering is real. And then a fifth truth in the book is hope is found in God alone. Hope is found in God alone. He is the only one who can forgive and restore. Now if you go back this afternoon and also read the book of Lamentations in, in, in total, as the book 
opens, you will notice that the streets and the city are deserted. Everything that the people of Judah and Jerusalem had trusted in previously was now absolutely powerless to help them. And what we see there is the bankruptcy of man's solutions. Man's ways don't work. And that's a theme that comes up constantly in the scripture. Man is not able to solve his own problems by his own intellect and his own abilities. And that means unless God intervenes, man is in deep, deep trouble. In Lamentations, people were selling and trading their valuables just to be able to get something to eat. Ladies, imagine going to your closet this afternoon and opening up your closet and having to take out some of your wardrobe and your shoes and go and sell those things if you could find anybody that was able to buy them. Sell those things just so you could put dinner on the table tonight. Or men... Going to your, your barn, your, your barn outside and opening it up and maybe taking your weed eater and blower and selling that this week to have food to put on the table. Maybe your mower next week, maybe even a vehicle the next week to even be able to pay your bills. That's the type of situation they were facing. And in chapter 2, verse 10, we see again the theme that human wisdom has failed. And in chapter uh, 2, verse 14, we see that the spiritual leaders have not called out the people's sin. And because they had failed to speak against sin, which can be uncomfortable to do in in the moment, it had actually put the people in greater danger in the long run. And so we see in chapter 2 some very horrible things going on that we can't even envision. Uh, We're told that mothers were even eating their own children to survive. Now I would assume what is meant by that is probably the child has starved to death first. And then the rest of the family members, so they don't starve to death, they eat the child. Horrible. Now, I know it's been said, uh, and you can probably relate to this, when your kids become teenagers, you know, you probably feel like putting them in a big oak barrel and cutting a breathing hole in it and nailing the, the, the top shut. And then somebody said when they turn 16, plug up the breathing hole too. You probably, you probably feel that way at, at, at times. But all kidding aside, could you imagine your kid dying of starvation And then the rest of the family having to eat the child just so the other family members wouldn't starve to death. That's what was happening. That's how bad it got. And by the way, you go into the book of Revelation in chapter 6 and following and read some of the horrible things that's going to happen at the end. It it seems like there's going to be a repeat of some of this horrible stuff. Chapter 4 talks about how their gold had lost its luster. They had gold, but I mean with the national situation like it was, what, what good does gold do anybody? 
And so again, it's a, it's a book of suffering and, and grief. And all of their celebrations of joy, all their festivals and the great celebrations of gratitude they had in those. They didn't feel like they had reason to do any of that because things were so bad. And if that's all the book talked about, you would probably conclude it's one of the most depressing things you've ever read in your life. You'd probably be saying, Pastor, Thanksgiving's around the corner. And you're saying there's a message in the book of lamentations for this. Are you crazy? We just want to leave church this afternoon and go take a dose of Prozac or something. <laughs> but like I say, hold on. Just, just hang in there. Jeremiah says, Lord, return us as a people to you and restore our land. What a great point. Jeremiah is praying for a national revival. Can you imagine what it would look like if a nation were to be revived and come back to God? How wonderful that would be. That's what Jeremiah is praying for. And then in chapter 3, where we're going to camp out, we're going we're to see that here's a passage that just about everybody has in mind when you read the book of Lamentations, the most famous passage in the book. We even have a hymn based upon it, the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. It's a great hymn. It, it may be your favorite hymn. And so with this introduction done, let's zero in on chapter 3 a little bit more. And what I want you to see is there's a crescendo here in the book. The, the book has been building up to this. And what we're going to see is God's steadfastness. Not just his steadfastness, but his surpassing greatness. Because as Jeremiah is going to point out, when everything is a mess, the child of God is still the child of God. We're not alone. We're not left our own devices and we're not victims. We have a God who is working out his great plan of redemption even when we don't understand all the pieces of the puzzle that he's using. He knows what he's doing even if we don't understand what he's doing. And so first of all this morning, I want you to notice with me the source of hope. The source of hope. Look back at verses 21 and 22. In 21 he says, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. In times of trouble, we need to recall that it is God and God alone who sustains us. Our hope is only to be in Him because He alone is eternal and unchanging and all-powerful and all-wise. Now, if we were to look at Jeremiah's times, we would see what they have previously hoped in that brought them to despair. What they had hoped in and it had not turned out well for them. In Jeremiah chapter 7 for instance, Jeremiah chapter 26, both of those chapters record the same thing, the, the temple sermon. 
And God said to Jeremiah, go stand at the gates of the temple and condemn what the people were doing because what they were doing is they were going to the temple and going through all their religious exercise, but then they were leaving the temple and they were going right back to life and living like they had always lived, like they had not just been to the temple. In other words, the temple worship and the temple sacrifice that they were engaged in was having no impact whatsoever on their daily lives. They might as well have been unbelievers because they were acting like unbelievers. And Jeremiah said, this temple that you see, God's going to destroy it. You've been saying the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. We are safe to do all of these things. And Jeremiah says, you're not. Just go down to Shiloh and see how he destroyed the place down there before the temple was here. When the tabernacle was at Shiloh. You can't just trust in religious liturgy and, and the motions of it if there's no reality behind it. They had a false hope in trusting the building alone. It'd be kind of like the thought today, hey, if you're a Christian and just so long as you go to church, you're going to be okay. That's a false hope. Again, they had begun worshiping the temple and the presence of the temple versus the God of the temple. At other times, they had put their hope in spiritual leaders who weren't teaching them God's word anymore. They had spiritual leaders who were telling them what they wanted to hear versus what they needed to hear. And in Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 8, they were trusting in bad leaders in the nation. All of these things had become idols to them. And what's the point of this? Jeremiah, in the book of Jeremiah and in Lamentations 2, points out whatever you trust in other than the Lord is going to end up being a great disappointment to you. You can mark it down whatever age you live in. Whatever you trust in in your life, if it's not the true and the living God, it's going to end up disappointing you one day. But Paul says in Romans 5, they who put their trust in the Lord shall never be disappointed. Lamentations 3, Jeremiah points out that the Lord is his hope. But you'll notice it's specifically one thing that he mentions here initially. It's the Lord's love. The Lord loves us with a great love. And it's a good thing that he does because otherwise we would be consumed. Folks, if we tried to stand before the Lord in our own merit, we would be doomed. And let's bring it down to a New Testament perspective. As Paul says in Romans 3, there is no one righteous, no, not even one. If we try to stand before him in our own merit, there would be no hope. We would be doomed. If God didn't love us, he wouldn't have sent us his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Romans 5, Paul says, while we were yet sinners. Not when we deserved it because we could never deserve it on our own. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
Some years ago, I told you about a little boy going to a revival service and what the speaker did. And because of what he failed to say, it it turned out to be some pretty bad theology that he did. He He set a glass up on the pulpit. And he said, this glass, drinking glass, represents you. And then he had a hammer. And he said, this hammer represents God and his anger and his wrath. And then he had a fry pan and he said, this represents Jesus. And in the sermon, he took that hammer and he reared back to smash that glass. And at the last moment, he stuck the frying pan in and the hammer hit the frying pan and the glass was spared. And he said, this this is what Christ did. God was angry and going to smash you, but Christ stepped in. Well, the little boy went home and he he was disturbed by all of that because he started thinking... Jesus I can love because he stepped in and, and, and kept me from being smashed. But how do I love God that's like a hammer that wants to smash me? See what the preacher probably failed to say was the scripture points out, for God so loved the world that he gave. Yes, in his wrath he will judge sinners. But because he also loves us, he's provided the way of our redemption. He sent his son to take the wrath of of his judgment against our sin. And In other words, there's no cross purposes between the Father and the Son. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the members of the Trinity, are working together for our redemption. It's not one against the other. God is love, so he gave. And what Jeremiah is saying, that's why I hope in him. I I hope in him because of his great love. And, And we see in the Bible, his love reaches its pinnacle in God sending his son to redeem us. And when this life is over, because of the resurrection of Jesus, we too shall be raised. I trust that right now there is no one or nothing that you're putting your ultimate hope in other than Christ. Now, why do I say ultimate hope? Because every day we express hope. We hope a friend will call us. We we hope the store is open. We hope the lights come on when we flip, flip the switch, and they do usually. So we exercise hope every day in smaller things. But by saying ultimate hope, I'm I'm talking about things, serious realities of life and eternity. Things like forgiveness and peace and salvation and heaven. Only God can be our source of hope for those issues that matter the most. Is he the one where your ultimate hope is? If not, you're going to be disappointed. The Bible, scarlet thread of redemption, assures us that we have a God who cares and He's intervened on our behalf to save us. He saved us through His Son, Jesus. Jesus bore our sin and He died and was buried and was raised from the dead. And so folks, as we go into the holiday season, we can rest assured that God is our source of hope. And He can be trusted because of what He's done for us again As Romans 5 says, while we were yet sinners, this is what he did for us. 
And so we can be grateful to Him. In our world the way it is today, we're, we're realizing more and more every day, I think, that there is nothing in this world we can trust in other than Him. The world and the things of the world are going to disappoint, but the Lord will not disappoint. He accomplishes what He says He will accomplish. Amen? Second thing I want you to see, the steadfastness of God's provision. Look at the second part of verse 22. His mercies never come to an end. Look at the first part of verse 23. They are new every morning. And so there's two phrases I want to camp out on. The first one is that uh, his compassions never fail or his mercies never come to an end. And there's two aspects to that. They never fail. They never come to an end. First of all, because God always accomplishes what he intends to accomplish through them. Now follow me here. An example to this would be the exile itself. The exile was to accomplish God's purpose in Judah. It was to discipline them and refine them. But it's like Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 29, or I should say the Lord said through Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not for evil. And so the exile, even though it was hard on them, it was, it was an expression of God's compassion because in the long run he was using that to refine them and get them to where they needed to be because never again after they came back from exile would they be idolaters again he would cleanse them of the love they had for idols now we know they replaced their love of idols with legalism that's a different sermon but at least through the exile, he got them over their love of idolatry. And he even used the exile as a mercy in the long run to accomplish this. Is God using some tough things in your life to accomplish things that otherwise would not be accomplished? Well, folks, that's an expression of his mercy, of his compassion. It's hard for us to think like that, but it's true. One of the worst things that could ever happen to us would be for God to just leave us alone. You know, we tend to think sometimes, God, leave me alone unless you're bringing some blessing my way. But the Bible points out that even the things that don't seem like blessings at the moment can end up being the biggest blessings in the long run. And so God's compassions do not fail to do what God intends. That's one way to look at this verse. And then another way to look at it, he says they never fail. That is, they never fail in number. Just when we think we are at the end of the line, what does God do? He comes through with yet one more provision. I'm going to take this jacket off, excuse me. This cord must be bad on this mic and the jacket's hitting it and popping. <clears throat> 
Just when we think we're at the end of the line, God comes through for us. One more provision. They never fail in number. What does Jeremiah say here? He says, every day ends up bringing new surprises from the Lord. Aren't you grateful for that? Every single day, there are reasons to be grateful for God's work in your life and God's provision. Whatever things may look like, you know what? Things could be worse. Now, folks, I don't want to make light of anybody's suffering, so don't misunderstand what I'm about to say, okay? I will, you know I would never make light of anybody's suffering. But what I want to say is simply for perspective, okay? You say, I found out that my grandbaby's sick. Pray for my grandbaby, and my grandbaby's got to be on medicine for a year or something. Bad? Sure. But I just want you to remember a couple of weeks ago, John and Terry's grandbaby was killed in a car wreck just a few miles from the church here. Perspective. See what I'm saying? Somebody says, I've lost my husband. Of, he, he's 89 years old and, and I've lost him to dementia or Alzheimer's. Well, there's a couple of ladies in our church. Their husbands, 57 and 58 respectively. One of them's already lost her husband to dementia and Alzheimer's, 57 years of age. And it certainly appears that the other one is about to. Her husband's just 58. Some people say, pray for me, our, our grown kids are driving us crazy. Pam and Chad Ford wish Aaron was still around to drive them crazy. At 22 years of age, recently, he took his own life. You see what I'm saying, folks? Perspective. Whatever we're walking through in life, whatever we're experiencing, and again, I'm not discounting that it may be bad, it may be horrible. But when you look at it through the lens of what could happen and what has happened to some other people around us, we're able to say His mercies are new every single morning. Amen? It's not as bad as it could be. And you and I need to remember that in life. I don't care what the circumstances are in your life you have going on. You need to, you need to see that there is plenty to be thankful for and grateful for. And we can say along with Jeremiah here, his compassions never fail. Just when I thought I'd got to the end of my rope, he sent another to bring me through. And you know, that's what all these families are doing that I've just mentioned. They're not relying in their own strength. They're, they're giving glory to God because God's bringing them through. He's Sending them new mercies every, every single morning. Helping them to bear all of this. That's the kind of God we serve. A third thing I want you to notice here. And, it, and it's the second phrase I want you to lock in on. 
He says, great is your faithfulness. I want you to see the surpassing greatness of God's faithfulness. Jeremiah says, great is thy faithfulness. God's faithfulness is there, and it is there every morning, as we've just seen, but it is also great. In fact, it is the surpassing greatness of God's faithfulness. Folks, I guarantee you there are so many things in life that we all take for granted. We make a safe journey home for the holidays, or a payroll check is deposited, or the kids or grandkids come home safely. There's so many things we take for granted when they happen. I wonder what our response would be, though, if we could actually see the unseen hand of God that brought our kids home safely. If we could see the unseen hand of God that opened up a job for you so you could have a paycheck. I think if we could see the unseen hand of God at work in our lives, all of us would fall down on our knees and proclaim, Great is thy faithfulness. You see, folks, God doesn't owe us. God is not a debtor to any man. God did not have to save anybody. God doesn't even have to make his sun shine and his, his rainfall. God would be perfectly just if he struck everybody with some horrible judgment. His character would not be threatened one bit if he didn't give any of us good gifts. Why? Because we don't deserve any of it. If you were to make a search of heaven and try to locate the people who deserve to be there, there would only be one who deserves to be there. Jesus. Because only Jesus in the incarnation came and lived a sinless life. Nobody else deserves to be there. It's only because of him and what he's done for us in Christ. We don't get what we deserve. We get grace. Even unbelievers get grace. Theologians call it common grace. The sun shining every day as I spoke of a moment ago. The rain falling. Even unbelievers in the world experience common grace. Common grace is not saving grace. But even unbelievers experience common grace. But whether it's common grace or saving grace, all of us in some way or another get grace. We don't get what we deserve. And so let this holiday season be a time where we stop and think, Great is thy faithfulness. And I want you to notice how Jeremiah concludes. In verse 24, he says, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Look at his conclusion here. First of all, he says what? The Lord is my portion. There's a rich background you need to understand behind this. When God led Israel to cross the Jordan land and start taking the promised land, when they got in the promised land, what did the Lord do for each and every tribe? You remember what he did? He gave them a portion, a portion of the land. 
But guess who he did not give a portion of the land to? He did not give a portion of the land to his servants, like the Levites, for instance. Because he told them, the Lord is your portion. Somebody might say, they got cheated, they got the least. But folks, in reality, they didn't get the least, they got the most. Because the inheritance of the land could be lost. But the Lord can't be lost. He never perishes. You see, if we judge with the eyes of the world, we may not see the value of this. But if we look at it from the biblical perspective, the Lord is always the best to have. If the Lord is your portion, then come what may, you are in a win-win situation. And then Jeremiah's second conclusion, I will wait for him. It's good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. God is attentive to those who seek him and wait for him. If the compassions and the mercies of the Lord are new every morning, and if we see God as our portion, if we desire him more than all else, then what's the conclusion? I won't make rash judgments about circumstances and appearances. I will wait on the Lord. I will trust in him and I will wait on him and I will seek his face. Wait on him. Trust in him. Because he will see you through. Today I want to speak to the one for a moment who has no hope. The one who has no hope. You know that can change today. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You need to come to Christ. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, Behold, today is the day of salvation. Ask the Lord Jesus to take your sin and guilt away and to forgive you. Turn from your sin. The Bible calls that repentance. Trust in him and turn from your sin. Faith and repentance, they're two sides of the same coin. We come to Jesus in faith and repentance. We have faith in Him, trusting Him and Him alone to save us. And we turn from a life of sin, asking Him to renew us and live His life through us. And I want to invite you to do that this morning. And secondly today, I want to remind Christians that every day we have is a day that we have because of the Lord's mercies and compassions. What good do you have in your life? It's only because of Him. It's only because of Him. If the Lord and His mercies were taken away and there was nothing between us and the evil one, there was nothing between us and a fallen world, just think of how that would be. But the Lord is a shield to His people. The Lord is a shield to his people. Every day is filled with God's mercies and love. Be thankful for that. Again, there's nothing good in your life except because of God's grace. And so all of us need to be a little more thankful. Lord, we thank you for Jeremiah's words here. We know Jeremiah was inspired by your Holy Spirit. 
But God, we thank you that he penned these words, powerful words, that remind us of your nature and your character and that you are indeed a good God. You're a great God and great is your faithfulness. Help us never to forget that. God, help us not to look at things nearsightedly. But help us to understand that everything in our life, our life circumstances, if we're your child, we have that promise that you're causing all things to work together to the good of those who love you and those who are called according to your purpose. May we look at life and be grateful. Yes, we look at the world and we're disturbed by the depths that sin causes people to stoop to. But Lord, we trust that even in this, you're at work in the world. The world's not out of control. You're working to accomplish your eternal purposes. Lord, every morning we wake up and there are these blessings that we see. God, I pray that we would be the type of people who would recognize your nature and character and we would be quick to tell others about your sustaining grace. I pray for that one this morning who hopefully, if they're not grateful, they're more convicted uh, after looking at these verses, that they need to be grateful. And this needs to be a season of gratitude. For the one still trying to make it on his or her own, Lord, show them that whatever they're trusting in, if it's not Christ, it will fail them. They need to come to Christ. And I pray that you'd put an urgency on their heart. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.